Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of the podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. I'll turn it over to our moderator, Matthew, as we welcome our podcast guest, Ken Segura. Well, this is certainly an honor for us tonight to have have one of the great beat writers, the ACC football beat writers, and specifically for Georgia Tech on this show. Yeah, this is Matthew. This is Hokie Smash. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Hokie Smash underscore ASD. Again, that's at Hokie Smash underscore ASD. And, um, uh, Yes, uh, just a, just a moment. Uh, we may have to we may have to restart. We may have to ask uh, Ken to restart here. Jeff, do you want to uh, do me a brief favor here? Talk about uh, talk about a couple things that happened in national college football on Saturday and how they impact the ACC. Yeah, absolutely. As we wait for uh, Ken to jump aboard. Uh, we just finished this past week, and you know we'll get into a little bit more uh, of the ACC games. Uh, Clemson coming back against uh, Syracuse, keeping them very much in the the playoff chase. But uh, nationally, uh, we saw offensively challenged Iowa uh, continue to be offensively challenged against uh, Ohio State. Uh, total mismatch uh, there. Um, you know, as we look at down uh, the schedule, uh, Notre Dame, uh, who Syracuse will play this upcoming week, uh, beat beat UNLV 44-21. Uh, you know, uh, related to our podcast guest last week, Texas Tech 48-10 on West Virginia. Uh, Neil Brown in big trouble there in West Virginia, one of the more uh, disappointing teams in the country. Uh, LSU. Knocking off number seven, Ole Miss, forty-five to twenty. Um, little note there that what, what I was kind of funny if you were watching the CBS broadcast of that game. Um, you know, at, at the end, the uh, Gary Danielson and uh, it, it escapes um, escape me who he, uh, Brad Nessler I think was hosting or doing the game as well. And you know, they're talking about LSU and and kind of talking up oh, if LSU runs the table, you know, that's that's a playoff team. Um, and Jeff, yes. Ken is with us now, and we are okay. really happy that Ken's here. <laughs> this is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the country, and you can follow our site Twitter account at, at AllSportsDACC. This is the podcast for AllSportsDiscussion.com. Ken, welcome back. We are so happy to have you come on this show uh we're we're gonna run through acc football just real lightning round a little bit and then we'll mm -hmm. get to you with some georgia tech football questions so okay. jeff jeff just quickly here who was the most disappointing uh acc football team in week eight and who was the most impressive yeah i'm gonna have to uh yeah my comments on old miss and lsu maybe i'll leave that for the uh for the open mic because I, I got some thoughts about what was going on there but uh, this past weekend, uh, wow, um, 
most disappointing team. I'll just jump right about Miami. My goodness, what is going down on down there at Coral Gables, Miami? You know, a new coach Cristobal, eight turnovers against Duke, and this is the second uh, home game where Miami has just got absolutely blown off the field in in their home stadium, and I, I don't know, it, they, they're having all kinds of issues. Uh, down there, uh, Cristobal, you know, he's making comments about questioning his players' toughness, and and it, it's it's just gone all kinds of wrong there for the for the Hurricanes. Uh, my definitely my most disappointing team of the the week. Uh, when you look at who maybe was the most impressive team of the week, uh, I, th- I think there's a couple choices. Um, you know, Wake Forest just marching right along with that fantastic offense against Boston College. I know that's kind of what they were supposed to do, but, you know, that win has, has got them into the top 10. And I think they're still really under the radar nationally, in my opinion, but that, that's an offense you don't want any any part of at all. Um, Louisville uh, in, impressed me, you know, backs against the wall. Uh, against Pittsburgh, who who made their own uh, candidacy for, you know, disappointing team of the week. You know, uh, Slovis there at Pittsburgh did not play well at quarterback, and and you know that was just it was it was an ugly game back and forth, and then Louisville just kind of took charge. At, you know, Scott Satterfield's his names keeps coming up on the hot seat, and at least for an, a week, you know, they've kind of put that to the side. And I thought Louisville showed a lot of toughness in that game. Um, Malik Cunningham took some hard hits, but, you know, they could end up coming out of there 24 10. And then also in, in, in some ways I was pretty impressed by uh, Clemson as well. They, they've had a really tough uh, schedule through the, the last several weeks playing their third team in Syracuse that was ranked in the top 15 uh, backs were against the wall. Uh, Syracuse at one point led 21 to seven goes into the half up 21 10 and uh, after you know DJ Uyunglele threw his third or had his third turnover of the game with an interception that that Syracuse intercepted at midfield it really felt like hey this might be the game that you know where Clemson's going to get knocked off and that long winning home winning streak is going to come to an end and um, we, you know, we've seen worse Dino Baber Syracuse teams knock off better Clemson teams, and they definitely have a reputation. Syracuse does of of giving Clemson, you know, a really difficult time. And you know, Dabo Sweeney makes the switch at quarterback, goes with Cade Klupnik, um, who who was steady. Uh, you know, he didn't actually have to do all that much because Clemson rode their running game with Will Shipley, and you know, they 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 made a fourth quarter comeback against a really pretty good Syracuse team to keep their playoff hopes alive. And for some bizarre reason, and this is also going to be my rant topic about how, Oh, they struggled against Syracuse. They struggled against a top 15 team um, that, that it's proven that they're pretty, pretty solid. I mean, Syracuse was never going to run the table, but I mean, they've got weapons on that team. Gadsden at ride receiver, Sean Tucker, uh, Schrader can do some things at quarterback, and they're a really stingy defense. So, you know, backs against the wall, and, and Clemson came through. That's what teams, you know, that are trying to get in the playoffs do. And and there's not a single team in the top five that has not had a, 
you know, a difficult game that they had to pull through uh, against teams much more inferior than Syracuse. Uh, I mean, Georgia struggling with Missouri, um, Tennessee going to overtime with Pittsburgh, Michigan, you know, with a seven point win over uh, Maryland, Ohio State. I mean, we remember first game of the year, they were trailing a, you know, a kind of average Notre Dame team in the second half turned out to be a very average Notre Dame team. And, you know, we all know about Alabama, you know, coming within a play of losing to a really average, very mediocre Texas A&M team, Texas. <laughs> so, you know, all of these teams are, are having to struggle and find ways to win, and Clemson did too. Definitely, but shout out to Duke, though, for probably going to be bowl eligible this year, and nobody had that uh, on their bingo card list, right? I mean, that's they're they're at five wins right now, and I, I don't think anybody had them doing this well in the first season of Mike Elko. So that you know that obviously is a good win for them as well. Let's go to let's go to week nine, Jeff. What ACC football game are you looking forward to most in week nine? Um. I'm I'm really looking at, at a couple of them here. I'm really looking to see what Syracuse can do um, with Notre Dame coming to coming to town. Um, it's still Notre Dame. They're still one of the biggest brands around. It's going to be on national TV, ABC uh, for Syracuse. I think they they proved against Clemson that you know they're a legit you know top twenty five team. Uh, but if they really want to kind of announce themselves, you know, nationally and say, hey, we're, we, you know, we're in the top 20, we're going to stay in the top 20. I really want to see if they can beat a, a fairly average Notre Dame team, you know, that has some talent, but, is, you know, they've had issues. They lost to a terrible Stanford team at home. Uh, they lost to Marshall at home. Uh, we know that they, they gave Ohio State a, a game, but this is a this is a kind of game that, that Syracuse – uh, you know, need, needs to win at home to kind of continue to elevate that program here for Dano Babers. And then also from the ACC side, uh, it always helps for the conference to have, uh, you know, these, these noteworthy out-of-conference wins. Notre Dame already went to Chapel Hill, played North Carolina, and, and, and beat them in a game I thought North Carolina had a chance to win. So let's see what Syracuse can do in, in that game. Um, also looking at, at Pittsburgh in North Carolina, uh, the, the wheels have come off at, at Pittsburgh this year. Um, you know, Abi Akanda, I hope I probably really messed up his name. I apologize for that. Um, you know, he's challenging Sean Tucker for the best running back in the ACC. But, you know, other than that, it's been a tremendous disappointment of a season for Pittsburgh you know, after the first couple of weeks of the season where they beat West Virginia and then go to overtime with Tennessee and it's just been trending downwards, um, you know, since then, it took that kind of a stunning loss to Georgia Tech in Brent Key's first game after Jeff Collins was fired and then just a completely flat effort um, against Louisville. You know, North Carolina, the, the, the Coastal Division is theirs for the taking. Uh, if they knock off Pittsburgh here, it's, it's going to take a quite a series of events for for the Tar Heels not to end up in Charlotte. And and I think this is a chance for them to, to really make a statement against, um, against Pittsburgh uh, at eight o'clock on, on Saturday night. I really want to see if, if, if North Carolina comes out 
And, you know, if they get that defense straight, it doesn't have to be great because Drake May is so good at quarterback, that Josh Downs, they're so good on offense. They don't need a great defense. If they can just be okay um, on defense the rest of the way, they're going to be, they're going to be in Charlotte playing, you know, most likely Clemson. And then I'm, I'm also looking at North Carolina State and Virginia Tech. And I know you have an interest in that, Matthew. Why are you, you know, interested Devin in that? <laughs> <laughs> well, right. more or less, just to see if there's a... <laughs> I'm not interested I mean, in that at all. I think Virginia Tech... I, I, I would take the over in that, Jeff. I think... <laughs> you want to see if NC State's still going to be NC State and fall apart. And I get what you're saying, but they're yeah. going to they're going to win by they're going to win by three touchdowns, Jeff, on Saturday. The talent the talent just isn't there for my Hokies this year. I, I think I think the game I'm looking forward to is is Wake and Louisville because I think there's still some there's still some bad low key blood between those two teams on Wakey Leaks. and. Oh. And I'm kind of looking low key, looking forward to that game. So I it it should it should be fun. It should be high scoring, and you know it's on it's on the ACC network in the afternoon. So it it appears to you know it's going to be a good matchup, and I'll be interested to see what Wake Forest can do on the road in a in a very packed stadium because that that that's a tough environment to play in when it's a packed stadium, Jeff. Yeah, and and Louisville coming off that pit. Pitt win, you know, should have a little bit of uh, confidence. Sam Hartman's again uh, against Malik Cunningham. You know, as, as good as Wake Forest has been, that that defense has been a little suspect at time. Um, you know, that that's going to be an, an intriguing game there. Okay, last question, and then we're, and then we're going to be up with our great guest. Uh, which national college football games are you looking forward to in Week Nine, Jeff? Um, I, I mean, I think the big one is is definitely going to be Ohio State at, at Penn State, and it's it's a shame that I, I saw somebody mention on Twitter, and I'm starting to kind of agree with this. You know, the, these big, the big noon games that Fox is putting. I mean, how good would this have been? You know, with a wideout or something at Penn State, and this is really a big advantage for Ohio State. Um, you know, to to get that game at at noon, um, you know, you look at Ohio State and Michigan's schedules, and uh, I mean, it's an absolute cakewalk through the entire season through the Big Ten schedule um, until they play each other for the for the most part. Um, but if there's if there's a game where you know one of the Big Ten opponents may have a chance to to spring an upset, you know, it could be this one. I don't I don't really expect it. Um, I think Ohio State is starting to, to really, you know, fire on all cylinders. And honestly, I don't I don't think Penn State's that great. But, you know, maybe if a couple turnovers go their way, um, you know, you're in your home stadium, the emotion, maybe maybe Penn State has a chance uh, in that one. But I mean, definitely it's one to keep an keep an eye on there. Um, it's kind of a light, it's kind of know, a you, light national college football schedule, you know, for the yeah. For the, for the most part, um, I mean, there's a couple other in, intriguing games. You, you got, you know, number 19, uh, Kentucky going to, to Tennessee. Uh, you know, there'll be some intrigue in, in, in that one. But uh, I think Tennessee is, is you know, just going to be way too much 
for uh, Kentucky. Kentucky's going to be overmatched in that game. Um, I know that one probably hurts you a little bit too to see Hendon Hooker just, you know, probably going to win the Heisman. Oh, I know. I know. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is the most disappointing ACC football team of the week. But uh, that's what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, oh, yeah, Hendon's over there. Hendon's over there. But anyhow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can only go on Virginia Tech so much. At this point, it's kind of beating the dead horse. Exactly. So. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is. Jeff, you're up. Let's talk to our fabulous guest, Ken. Yes, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, Ken. We appreciate you uh, joining uh, Georgia Tech alum here and, you know, just, just a ton of thoughts on, on Georgia Tech and really looking forward to the next few questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ken... You know what? What were your what were your thoughts on the tenure of of Jeff Collins? <laughs> um, a few thoughts. Uh, I mean, I think you know, certainly the, the first thing I have to look at is, is just the record and, and ten and twenty eight and a, a lot of losses that were not close and, and losses that should not have been losses. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was uh, you know I. I, I I think even going into it, I guess you could say it was, there were some questions about, you know, how good were his teams actually at Temple and, 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 you know, is it going to work to start, you know, to be so heavy on branding and all those sort of things. Um, One thing I kind of, you know, wonder is, um, you know, he had the really good class in 2019 with uh, Jameer Gibbs and and Jeff Sims and Miles Brooks and and other guys. and then they went into the pandemic, uh, as everyone else did. Uh, you know, the 2020 season did not go particularly well. And, you know, so that that, that 19 class kind of proved or, or certainly demonstrated that, you know, maybe they can recruit pretty well. Uh, they, they were four or five, five, four stars. Um, but I think they lost a lot of momentum, you know, that the, the classes to follow weren't, you know, from a, ranking standpoint weren't nearly as strong they, you know they were kind of at the same level as that Paul Johnson had recruited at um, and you know things just kind of went down from hell from there um, you know I, I think he meant well it, it would certainly look like you know that he just wasn't a, a good fit or maybe not cut out to be a head coach um, so yeah it, it obviously was a, a very disappointing segment of, of Georgia Tech's football history for for you know all involved but uh but yeah you move on and and you know hopefully you know from the and obviously and actually ultimately it'll prove tech it'll prove costly for not just him but for um for for todd sansbury also but um but yeah it's uh not great um you know a, a lot of disappointment and obviously fans uh left in droves and and now you're you're left to kind of you know pick up the pieces and start again but uh but yeah it uh it was certainly interesting and memorable but not not successful. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for me personally, as a fan, I mean, I could go on and on about this, but I, I, I was pretty happy when he was fired. I, uh, I can't I'll lie. Alone. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was with some of my uh, Clemson friends this weekend. Uh, they told me I just need to kind of let things go at this point, And uh, that's what um, I'll have to do. Um, as, as a follow-up, to, to what you mentioned about Todd Stansberry. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I, I found really interesting and, you know, to follow up on this question is, is, is why do you think um, Stansberry quite so much hitched his wagon to Jeff Collins? I mean, I think last year at the end of the, 
of the end of the football season, I think there was mm-hmm. an opportunity to for him to say, hey, you know, we're going to evaluate things right. um, with Jeff Collins and, what you know, however, see how they go. But, I mean, he really threw everything he had behind mm-hmm. Jeff Collins, which right. which we thought was kind of strange. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have not had the chance to ask. I mean, you know, I, I, I talked to him in the spring in May and I asked him about it and he, he kind of reiterated some of the reasons he gave them that, you know, the, the culture seemed like it was strong and they were recruiting well and those sorts of things. Um, you know, I, I, some, you know, um, you know, it's, it's conceivable that he, that he had some of the same doubts that we all did. Um, but I would wonder if to some degree, that's just kind of how he operates. You know, he's not going to, hang his, his head coach out, you know, to dry and say, you know, kind of say what you're saying. Like, it would have been very reasonable to say, you know, we want to give him one more year and we'll see how it goes. But I think that is kind of the, you know, sign, you know, the, the, you're, you're basically kind of giving, you're not giving him the, the sort of confidence that he would want. And so you're undercutting recruiting and, and, you know, certainly sending the team a message. And I would wonder if just like, that's kind of his personality that he's, if he's going to, stick with his coaches he's going to back them all the way whether he 100 percent means it or not um and, and or maybe the you know maybe it's possible he did like what he saw that you know he you know i i remember still you know when he hired uh jeff you know in that 20,000 2018 press conference after you know paul johnson had retired he said that you know it was almost like when the two, when the two spoke, it was almost like he was. I don't know if he was, was reading his mind or, or, you know, kind of was speaking the language that he wa- was seeking to hear. That you know, branding and culture are so important, and and so maybe for those reasons he aligned himself, or maybe it was you know maybe it was just him kind of wanting to, to to see what he, he was, he's seeing maybe more with his heart than with his eyes or something like that. I don't know, but yeah, it's a, it's a very good question, um, and you certainly wonder if he had given a more measured endorsement um and made you know maybe compelled some changes or or done some other things to to semi-distance himself if if that would have been better for him but um but yeah uh i it's a yeah you know without being able to talk with him or or get a true sense of that it's it's a tough question to to answer okay thank you thank you ken very good comments there um you know, moving forward, describe how the Georgia Tech players um, are responding to Brent Key. Uh, you know, you know, great win. It, it, I was really kind of stunned that they were able to go to, to Pittsburgh. Right. And then, um, you know, just rally around that in such a short period of time mm-hmm. um, and then come back, um, play really well against, uh, you know, as, as Matthew said, a, a solid Duke team. Right. Um, and then hold them off in overtime and, and even – um, against Virginia, when when with Sims going out, and I know Zach Gibson really struggled at quarterback. Honestly, he looked like it had a, unfortunately he really appeared like a deer in headlights. But you yeah. know the team never quit in that game and and, right. and played hard, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. And and so you know how how are the how do you think the Georgia Tech players are responding to Brent? Brent Key and and how did he you know rally the team around to, to start playing some better football? Um, you know certainly I think it, it's it seems pretty evident to you know when I'm sure you watch the games they they seem to have energy and enthusiasm. 
Um, you know, certainly playing better, it certainly seems like. Uh, I, I think uh, maybe a few things happened. One is that the, the players towards the end, you know, the beginning of the season, they're probably already maybe whether they were going to be willing to voice it or not, probably recognition, you know, that the, the coach who had brought them there and, and you know, was a head coach might, might be in trouble. And so I think that probably introduced some tension or, or just some uncertainty. And, and I think too, probably some of the things that he did that he, you know, part of the culture that he was trying to instill of, you know, this stuff like the, um, like the money down signs and, and things like that. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they were, you know, once that, you know, the change was made, if they were ready to kind of be done with that and, and let's just worry about football. And one thing, you know, they've said, and the Jeff, the, the Jeff, there to me, the Brent Key has said repeatedly is, you know, if it doesn't have anything to do with football, with winning football games, we're not, we're not interested or we're not, we're, gonna, we're not going to worry about it. And it'd be hard to not, see that as at least something ever critique of of Jeff Collins's tenure um so for instance yeah like so when, you know that last week uh Dylan Leonard the tight end brought up that you know they they used to wear suits or you know coat and ties on the when they traveled and they don't have to do that anymore and and not that that's going to win anybody any games but that kind of to me speaks to it's it kind of it's a, a super more superficial um example of kind of probably what's going on you know, more deeply at, at practice or in meetings or, or just in the way that Brent Key is running things. Um, you know, he's an offensive line coach. He's, you know, that's probably a simpler guy. Um, you know, clearly just in listening to him, he's, he's thought a lot about if I get the chance to be a head coach, here's how I want to run things. And maybe he's already thinking about, you know, as, as Jeff Collins' tenure was going and not going well, you know, if I had the chance to run things here, here's how I do them differently. He's implemented a lot of things like that. Um, so I think, you know, just the fact that, that there was a change, but also that I think Brent Key probably resonated, did things that resonated a lot with, with the team, got them excited again. And, and, you know, let's, you know, let's only, you know, let's just worry about football and, and winning football games. I think that probably really hit home a lot of them as far as, you know, building enthusiasm and getting excitement. And certainly, you know, beating Pitt, I'm sure had a lot to do with, uh, just creating more excitement and, you know, belief in themselves and in the staff. And, uh, and so they go out and, you know, beat uh, Duke after that, a, a game that now looks a little better than, even now than it did, uh, you know, a week and a half ago. But, um, but yeah, so I, all I have to say, I, I think there's been, you know, a strong response to the way uh, Brinke and probably his staff too are, have, have changed things up. All right. Um, you know, re- regarding Brent Key, um, you know, is, is there a chance that he could get the full-time job? And, you know, a lot of the points you mentioned about the turnaround, um, but I th- I think now we're, we're in a position where we're wondering about Jeff Sims's, um, right. you know, injury status. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clearly from what happened against Virginia, it's, it's, it's going to take some effort by the coaching staff to get Gibson or whoever uh, comes in and plays quarterback if Sims is out you know, to get that offense in a position where they could, you know, win two or three or four more games. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's, it's kind of a tough call from a fan's point of view. You know, we know what we saw against Duke and right. um, Pittsburgh right. and, and Brent Key has done a lot of the right things. Um, but now the status of the quarterback may play a role in this as well. 
Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, let's say the next five games, they they let's well, you know, for however long. Well, even if even if Jeff Simmons comes back, but let's say for, you know, they go to Florida State, where they're I think it's twenty one point underdogs, which seems a little high to me. But let's say they go there, you know, Daniel, excuse me, Zach Gibson, you know, plays better, but they lose, and and but they play hard, and and you know play a clean game like how how do you view that and i'm you know it's it's a it's a hard you know it's thankfully it's not my question to have to answer that but um ultimately uh but yeah so it, it kind of clouds things as far as you know wins and losses and that sort of thing particularly for however long jeff sims is out um but uh but yeah i i you know i i certainly think that he has a chance you know if the team certainly especially if the team wins and and they get to a bowl game um and and look good doing it do the things that you know you didn't see pretty early on if, if you know if they play can play clean games and don't make mistakes and manage the clock well and and all those things and and brent key you know sounds the right notes and 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 looks like he fits the job then i, I certainly think he he's gonna get considered for it um so uh yeah but it but I, all that certainly as i as obviously depends on on what the team looks like if, if they go out and, and looks more like the Virginia game than it did uh, the, the Duke or Pitt games. And that's, and that's kind of your answer that he's probably not the right guy or he's not ready for it. But, it, you know, um, I think if, if, if they finish strongly and certainly they'll have, he'll have a lot of alumni support and, and certainly that's something that you can't ignore. Um, so, yeah, it's a, uh, I think it's still up in the air, but uh, I, I, I would say it, it's a certainly at least a, at the very least a possibility as long as, you know, the, the team does what, what you know, the, whatever the standard is for him to, to meet. All right. Um, you know, as you mentioned before, uh, Todd Stansbury, the previous AD, was let go uh, at the same time as Jeff Collins. And, you know, since we last talked, uh, Georgia Tech has hired a new AD, uh, mm-hmm. Jay Bat, who came from the University of Alabama. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that hire uh, for Georgia Tech? Um, you know, I, as I've I've had the the chance to talk with some people that he'd worked with, and some donors that he'd um, interacted with at, at some of the places he'd been before, and um, you know, I, at first I was my first kind of reaction i guess was you know when they were looking at well, look at what he did in terms of fundraising at, at alabama i guess your first thought is well you know who can't fundraise at, at alabama but um but i think yeah and talking to people i, I definitely think this this is a, a real strength of it it's not just that he was at alabama because certainly he was at maryland before that and and east carolina before that and you know i heard a lot of the same things that he's you know one of the best fundraisers i've ever seen or the best or or things of that nature, and you know, are, are really able to connect with alumni and donors, and but beyond that, um, <clears throat> I think it sounds like he's ready to not just handle that part of the job, but but just the day to day operational stuff, and and is is a sharp guy, and and um, you know, seems ready to jump into that role. Um, you know, I think ideally you would have someone who had proven himself in terms of you know, a big part of what this job is of, of building a football program and hiring a, a football coach. Um, he, he doesn't have that, but although, but, you know, as was told to me, he's, he's 
been involved in hires before and, and I'm sure was paying attention. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's one of those things, you know, it, it seems like a hire that you're kind of betting on the, the, the potential here for him to turn out to be a, a, a really strong AD. Um, it's not proven yet, but I think it seems like a lot of, you know, he has a lot of the things you would want. Uh, so, um, so yeah, uh, you know, time will certainly tell, but, uh, but it seems like it's a, a pretty strong hire that, uh, that Angel Cabrera made for the school. And, and, and speaking of uh, Angel Cabrera, Ken, the president um, of Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. um, for the first time in, in quite a number of years, um, you know, you know how the culture is of, of Georgia Tech between the academics and the athletics. Um, um, I really got the sense uh, from from Cabrera in recent weeks that that Georgia Tech is really committed to improving its its overall athletic department, which which is very encouraging for me as a, as a fan. That it's not something you've always had the sense of from from the academic leaders at Georgia Tech, um, um, but th- it's something that I did feel like. I sense uh, coming from Cabrera. Um, is that something that that you also you know sense coming from Georgia Tech that hey we're really going to you know commit this university to to improve athletically? Uh, yeah, yeah, Jeff, I would say so. I mean, I, you know, I'm only judging largely on on what he said uh, first at the press conference where the interim AD Frank Neville on the you know and Brink he were, was introduced as as interim head coach. But he said something, um, and I'm sure that's what you're referring to, that, you know, he said something along the lines of, you know, I'm committed to do anything that we can do to turn around this program, meaning the football program, and and he was going to equip the the AD with whatever resources he or, you know, they needed to to, to make this a world-class uh, athletic program. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, and when he, when he, when, um, when JBAT was introduced uh, last Friday, uh, two Fridays ago, you know, I asked him that again, like, you know, what exactly did you mean about that? And he didn't give specifics, but he said, I stand by what I said. You know, it wasn't just, you know, kind of a stump speech sort of thing. So, yeah, that is very interesting. And I, and I spoke with a, you know, a donor who, who basically said, yeah, you know, I don't think it's just lip service, but I think there's things he's preparing to do. And I don't, you know, there weren't specifics, but... Certainly, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know that the Georgia Tech Foundation has something over, you know, $2 billion in its, uh, in, its I don't know, in, the, in its accounts, I guess. And obviously not all that is, is free for the athletic department to take as it wants, but, but certainly there's some, you know, um, the possibility, I guess, for, for things to, to, to be given um, or, or in some way or another to the, to the athletic department to help things out, whether that's addressing the debt or, or just, you know, some other way of, of, you know, providing the, the department with, with more resources. And, you know, one thing he said when I asked him about that was, you know, he and Jay Bat were going to need to figure out what, what exactly that would look like and, and that sort of thing. But, um, but all that to say, yeah, it was, it's, it was, you know, uh, a commitment that I had not heard previously from, you know, either from him or, or from, um, uh, Bud Peterson, his predecessor, uh, you know, certainly that's always been kind of, I know with tech fans, it's always been kind of a, a grumble of, of you know, the, 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 the academic side needs to support athletics more and, and it's hard to tell or know exactly kind of what was needed or wanted that wasn't being provided. But 
but yeah, it's uh, if he if that happens in the way that it sounds like it's going to, that's significant. I mean, that's you know certainly um, if you know you know you know finances and revenue has has been a big part of of tech's challenge in terms of just you know just trying to make ends meet and and having the sorts of 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 resources that that other schools have in the conference and certainly in other conferences that that tech hasn't had um not that that always promises success or guarantees success but but it certainly gives you a much better chance of of competing with you know within the conference even the likes of virginia and duke and and North Carolina and so forth, you know, Florida State and different sports. And um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, again, time will tell, but it, it certainly is uh, a, a kind of a, a, a different sort of, um, you know, era that it seems like we're about to go into with, with, um, with J-Bad and, and uh, Anal Cabrera. Okay. All right. Thank you, Ken, for your, your insights here on Georgia mm-hmm. Tech. Um, I really enjoyed them. Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for our our last question here in the podcast, our last segment. Absolutely. Ken, open microphone time. Anything you want to say, the floor is yours. All right. Um, Well, uh, one thing that struck me uh, watching the, or, you know, I I was actually, because I didn't watch it, but the, you know, the Duke Miami game, um, particularly on the heels of of Tech losing to Virginia, um, both games that, I think most people would not have, you know, would said, you know, would say they didn't go the way was that was expected. Um, it just seemed to me like this is classic, you know, coastal division, you know, chaos or whatever you want to call it. And and I guess I'm, I, you know, I, I think there's always this, this hope that all the all the schools and or all the teams in the league are end up or in the division are going to end up four and four. It'll be a, a, a seven way tie. I don't know if that will happen, but. Um, but it's kind of, you know, it's, it's hopefully fitting that in the last year of, of the two division alignment, uh, we'll see if North Carolina can cooperate and, and maybe stumble a little bit, make it a little more interesting, but it's, it's kind of, I don't need or, or kind of fun that, that, you know, even the last year of this alignment, you know, we're, we're still seeing some of the kind of crazy, you know, head scratching results where, where it just seems like A beats B, B beats C, C beats D and D beats a again um and uh yeah it's what's made that division kind of have its own personality and and you know obviously made it an object of derision for some but certainly for others uh i don't think say you'd celebrate it but it's been kind of it's been fun to see again and and hopefully that'll continue in the next you know less you know the final weeks of the season well you might see that partially ken but i think virginia tech might ruin that equation <laughs> yeah i think virginia tech <laughs> well, might end up yeah. two and ten this year i'm sorry to say right yeah yeah and, and it's weird for me to say that that it could be, but I I much I don't see a win on the schedule for Virginia Tech, right. so that will be. In fact, that will be my open mic, Jeff. I do not, Jeff and Ken. I do not see a uh, a win the rest of the year for Virginia uh, Tech. That's kind of a jarring statement. Yes, yes. But there, but I that's that that's that's how I, I got to play it like I see it, and that's that's how I see Virginia Tech ending. The rest, the rest of the year, because I don't think anybody thought that Duke would be as good as they are, and they and they they're much much better than anybody anticipated them to be. And Georgia Tech seems to be turning it around, and I think that Virginia has the better quarterback, you know. And so the other games, Virginia Tech, I don't think will be competitive in. So that there you go, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
enjoy your November. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be pretty tough. Yeah. Jeff, you're up, buddy. Uh, yeah, I just want to, you know, going back to the beginning of the podcast when I was talking about Ole Miss and, and LSU and, and okay, yeah, CBS, you know, is the SEC, uh, you know, network, you know, every week, top game. And in the future, Big Ten, that'll be kind of weird. But, um, you know, at the end of that game, you know, they were talking LSU into the playoffs if they ran the table. And it, it, it was as if they, they completely had forgotten that LSU had lost to the fifth best team, Florida State, in the Atlantic Division. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of a twofold thing. You know, one disrespecting Florida State and the ACC and another just, you know, to- totally, uh, you know, ignoring what happened as a as a result. I know it's game one, but uh, even if LSU were to end, win the SEC, I, I mean, I'm not sure if they would deserve to be in the playoff, even, you know, over who they beat. And if they were to beat uh, uh, an undefeated Georgia team uh, in the playoff, uh, I remember it was a few years ago when when Penn State had a couple losses and um, I think won the won the Big Ten and didn't get in and I see LSU in that situation but it's kind of happening across the board here um, you know in the past when the when the SEC you know won their games and 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 looked and someone said hey oh, put them all in there but now we have actual results in the on the field that it's it's like there didn't even happen I mean I I know what I saw when when Pittsburgh came within a play of uh, you know, knocking Tennessee off earlier in the year. And I mean, I know that Florida state dominated uh, LSU for, for 55 of those 60 minutes. And, and I've seen Florida state lose three times since then to ACC Atlantic opponents. And, and somehow Clemson, you know, has three top 15 wins and people are still questioning their, their resume. So, you know, I I just want the conferences to be evaluated on the same level. I mean, if we're going to use, who do they beat? ranked teams and, and whatnot. I mean, Clemson has the most number of, of ranked wins at the moment. And still, uh, you know, three of those teams are, 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 st- are still ranked. And uh, I don't understand why the, the win over Syracuse was downplayed. So, um, you know, so harshly, you know, if Alabama, when, you know, they do that against Texas A&M and it's called a, a, a tough, a tough, um, you know, game in the SEC or Georgia wins by four points at Missouri and, and Kirby Smart saying, hey, when you play on the road at the SEC, they're all tough. <laughs> so, I mean, just kind of evaluate the conferences at the same, especially when the results on the field in, in a year like this, you know, kind of indicate they're a lot closer, um, you know, across the board than than not. Um, I do think, though, Clemson is, is the one team outside of that Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama group that they can play them. They, they control their own destiny. Um, I, I don't think TCU can, even if they run run the table. They need a little bit of help, but they're in, they're definitely in the mix. Um, but uh, you look at the, the Pac-12 with UCLA uh, losing um, – you know, there's been some discussion. If Oregon runs the table, they'll get in. I do not think that would happen uh, without a lot of help. Um, you know, like I said before, it's the results on the field that you need to look at. And when they play Georgia, you know, they, they got annihilated. It might have been week one and they might be a lot better than they were then. But I mean, what, what else do we have to go on? And I think that's a black eye that 
that Oregon is going to have a very difficult time to overcome, even if they run the table. Uh, but with, with, with Clemson and their, their resume already thus far, they still have to, to go on the road, play at Notre Dame, which, okay, will not carry the weight that we thought that it may, but, um, you know, they already have the top 15 wins. They, they should get a pretty decent, not great, but a decent South Carolina team at the end of the year. I, I expect that'll be a seven or eight win South Carolina team. And then, um, you know, if North Carolina goes as I think that they will, I, I don't I don't think they're going to run the table, but that could be a nine or ten win uh, North Carolina team. They play in the ACC championship. Um, Clemson runs a table. They're going to get in and and crash the party. And they're the one team outside of the big two conferences that controls its own destiny. So we'll just have to see how, how it goes here. It's going to be a lot of fun in the second half of the season. And how great would it have been if this year we would have had an expanded playoff because there's, there's no true elite team, you know, that we saw from 2018 to 2020, you know, with Clemson, uh, Alabama or Clemson, LSU, Alabama type team. I mean, I think you have a good seven or eight really good teams that would have made for a fantastic uh, 12-team playoff this year. Well said, Jeff. Well said. Ken, thanks so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on this show. We love that you're willing to spend time with us on this show, and we would love it if you'd come again sometime on this show. Thanks again for joining us, Ken, and spending part of your Sunday evening with us. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I always enjoy talking talking uh, Georgia Tech and ACC with you. I'll, I'll be back anytime you'd like. Thank you so much. You guys have a great week. Take care, guys. You too. Thanks.